This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. Today on the show, we're going to the water and talking boating with Mark McCleskey from the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. On last week's show, we were talking about the great fishing available in Mississippi waters. So today we're sharing information about boating safety and being legal while on the water. Also, Dr. Major's here for your pet questions. To join our conversation, it's a phone call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven. 672-7464, or you can email the show, send it to animals at mpbonline.org. A reminder that if you miss Creature Comforts on Thursday morning, it repeats every Saturday morning at 6. So good morning. Hope everyone is doing well this morning. Doing well. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Libby, do you have any events that you want to share with us? The Wildlife Extravaganza oh, is coming up. Yeah, this coming weekend. Um, well, not this coming weekend, but the next weekend, August the 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. The Mississippi Wildlife Federation sponsors the Wildlife Extravaganza, and it's a big deal at the mm-hmm. Mississippi Trademark. Uh, I think primarily educational kind of things on that Friday evening, afternoon and evening, and then all day Saturday, and they continue some education programming as well as lots of opportunities to buy things, of course. That's how it always is at the trademark, <laughs> isn't it? And then on into Sunday. So um, if you're getting ready, if you're a big fisherman or you're getting ready for hunting season or you just enjoy getting outdoors or you, uh, there are usually several wildlife um, shows too, so there's fun things for the kids to do. So they, kids are, are very welcome at the event. All right. Uh, got a couple of emails to share. Uh, and also, by the way, thanks to everyone who is using our email, animals at mpbonline.org, to send in pictures and accounts of their brushes with wildlife. That's a big part of the show. We always like to hear from you about what you're seeing when you're out and about in the great state of Mississippi, both uh, sending us uh, an email uh, with pictures if you have them, or you can always call in and let us know as well. Uh, first, though, we do have an email for Dr. Major, and it says, I have two older dogs, a 17-year-old Border Terrier and a 12-year-old Irish Terrier. Could you address some aspects of how to deal with older dogs? For example, my Border Terrier is almost blind, although he can see shadows. I can walk, but uh, uh, seems to get lost and ends up standing in the corner sometimes for long periods of time until I notice. He's incontinent sometimes. Uh, he's healthy and eats okay, but I wonder if he'll remember sometimes where to get water. I have to carry him in and out because stairs are dangerous for him. I just don't know what I'll do when my larger dog gets to this point. Any thoughts? Well, you know, that's that's a good that's a good question, yes. But uh, I had a little dog, a uh, long-haired chihuahua that made it to 18 and a half, and frankly, he was pretty much blind the last year of his life. On the other hand, he pretty well memorized his uh, area and was able to get around. He never missed out finding the cat food or his food bowl. But it is an issue, and sometimes the uh, frustration, you can call it dementia, uh, which I think is true, uh, standing in a corner, not being able to get out. This is one of the questions you have to ask, quality of life. As long as we're not in pain 
and you're willing to take care of this uh, this dog, I have no problems with saying do all you can. Uh, the The larger dog is going to be more of a problem, as she mentioned, uh, as far as being able to move her around, this sort of thing. But we our dogs live, I think, in general, live longer. Uh, we have more geriatric dogs than uh, than we had 20, 30 years ago. And uh, it's part of our job is trying to take care of those and make them as happy and as healthy as we can. And I commend you for doing that with this older dog, and you be the judge as far as uh, quality of life. Uh, so on the topic of older pets, maybe what's uh, some ideas uh, to help keep them active? As far as active, uh, trying, you know, a lot of us don't have a, a lot of time to interact, uh, but taking walks, uh, if you can, uh, cats especially, even the older cats, uh, love to play with uh, their toys, the fishing lure type toys, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, change the environment a little bit occasionally. Uh, certainly that's worse with a blind animal or an animal that can't see. But uh, some of the dogs, you know, I, I've got more toys for my dogs than they need, uh, the little ones especially, but the large dog does too. But uh, I, they'll pick out one a lot of times and play with it. But I guess you're looking at what you would call enrichment, just changing the life uh, a little bit, not drastically, but that will help with the older dog as well as the younger dog. So, yeah, that makes sense. If they, they can see well, just as you say, change up their environment slightly and give them something a little bit uh, interesting. And I guess as sort of in humans, as we get older, trying to keep your mind sharp will help you stay healthy. Right. Uh, we also got a little picture here that uh, it's four baby birds uh, that look like they're about ready for <laughs> dinner or snack time or something. And I <clears throat> I've never seen a picture like this that <clears throat> their mouths tend to be quite large. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's. <clears throat> particularly a certain age of nestlings when you look in or you know get your hand close that's their automatic response is to open those mouths as wide as they can and um so that's a lot of times how baby birds look to people when they look <laughs> in the nest uh, but again, uh, keep sending us uh, pictures and uh, your brushes with wildlife. Uh, either tell us on the phone or email the show animals at mpbonline.org. We always want to hear from you on that and also your questions for Dr. Major and our guests each week as well. Uh, our guest today is Mark McCleskey from the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. Uh, Mark, before we take our first question, tell us a little bit about your background, if you would. Uh, I've been on since 2006. Um, I'm now, in the last three years, been a boating coordinator in the central region, the central part of the state. Um, I live in Lowndes County, uh, which is around Columbus. And um, So have you always been someone who enjoyed being out on the water? Yeah, I've always been. I grew up on the water and uh, and outdoors, so it's something I've always wanted to do. So, uh, yes, sir. Okay. Uh, we've got a caller on the line, so let's get this first call in before our break. And we begin our discussion with Brian in Meadville. Good morning, Brian. You're on the air with us. Good morning. Uh, my, I, I got a little story about uh, some Asian carp down there. We went uh, uh, down off the Mississippi and tributaries to uh, do some catfish on the trail line. And an Asian carp jumped up, hit Art upside the head in the, in the boat, knocked the gas line loose, and stranded us out there in the water. 
it ruined our day. <laughs> so what we're thinking about doing, and we want to know if this is legal, is going back and, and doing some skeet shooting out of a bath boat when these things jump up out the water. <laughs> well, uh, that's a good question. Um, probably wouldn't be real safe. Uh, it's according to, I guess it depends on how many people's out there. A lot of people do uh, archery. I know uh, as far as the uh, bow fishing, a lot of people, a lot of people are doing that now. All right, uh, Brian. Uh, so uh, maybe not such a good idea, um, but uh, just kind yeah. of let us know when you're going to be out there doing that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks for the call, Brian. Good to hear from you. We've got some open phone lines uh, at one eight seven seven MPB ring. Join our phone conversation this morning with that call one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can always email the show as well. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. When we get back from this break, we'll talk about what it takes to be safe and legal when you're fishing or having fun on the water here in Mississippi. Back with more after this, so stay tuned. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major and Libby Hartfield. Today we're talking about boating safety with Mark McCleskey from the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. If you'd like to join the conversation with a question or comment, the phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 You can email the show as well. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. So uh, I guess maybe, Mark, a way to talk about how important boating safety is, is if you might share with us a a story from your experience when uh, you and your partner were able to save someone, if you could maybe give us the details on that story. Oh, okay. Um, I think this was in 2014, uh, Labor Day weekend. Me and my partner were working the 10-time waterway, um, just doing routine patrol. Um, We had some kids uh, flag us down uh, on, on the bank. Uh, we went over there to find out what was going on, and one of the kids said that his brother had drowned, that he had went underwater and been underwater water for a while. We didn't know how long. So I um, took all my equipment off, jumped in the water. After about the third or fourth dive, I was able to recover the 11-year-old kid, uh, started CPR, and um, the ambulance got there. And uh, long story short, the, the kid was revived and doing well. All right. Very good. So we certainly appreciate that. And I think that you're, you folks uh, that do that are first responders on the water for sure. But also, I would say if you're out boating, um, you guys are the law. Yeah. That's uh, so what we just talk about. Just having what I try to tell people before they leave the boat landing, just make sure they have everything right. Make sure you, your registration is up to date. Make sure you got a life jacket for everybody on the boat. Make sure your fire extinguisher is charged. Make sure, you know, everything on your boat, your lights work. Um, just if you make sure those things before you leave the land, then uh, you have nothing to worry about. Let's talk a bit about life jackets. Do you see a lot of people that don't wear them? And what are exactly the requirements? I think it's a little bit different for children and adults, I think. Uh, give us some details. It is. Um, you have to have a one life jacket for everybody on the boat. But if you're 12 years of, of age and younger, you have to have that life jacket on while the boat is in while the boat's moving. I try to tell everybody to wear their life jacket. Uh, um, you know, the, the life jacket's not, they make them now that they're pretty slim and they, they inflate once they hit the water. That's what we wear on the water. So we try to tell everybody to wear their life jacket because, you know, you never know if you're thrown from the boat or you hit your head or something like that. Uh, doesn't matter whether you can swim or not. 
We're visiting today with uh, Mark McCleskey from the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. We'll be talking about boating safety throughout the hour. If you have a question for Mark, you can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven. Six seven two seven four six four. We've got some callers on the line, so let's see what's on folks' minds this morning. We'll begin again in with Rob. I can't see where that's calling from. My eyesight is going. Looks like okay. <laughs> Sorry, Rob. Go ahead. You're on here with us. Oh, thank you. I have a question about uh, wild birds. We okay. have uh, a number of wild birds in our yard, and saw a western meadowlark in this uh, during the spring this year. And it was kind of surprised. It seems pretty far east for them. And I wanted to ask if there are any other species of wild birds that are migrating further east now. Oh, gosh. There are variations. Are you sure that wasn't an eastern meadowlark? I, I thought it might have been. I, I sent the picture to a friend of mine who's an ornithologist, and he is the one who okay. said that was a western, and he couldn't imagine why we'd seen it. Wow. And where was it? Was it in Jackson? It was in Jackson, isn't uh, Late winter, early spring. Uh huh. Well, um, yes, there are. If, kind of, most everybody's got a field guide, I guess, a bird book. If you look in the back and you see those occasional things that are, are odd occurrences in your area, you'll see all kinds of things. But um, I don't know. I'm not an expert on that, and I'm not an ornithologist. We'll have to get somebody on before too long to talk more about it but um that was a neat sighting then it was it really was all right uh, rob thanks for your call we'll see if we can get a follow-up on that in a later program let's uh, move on next we'll go to gary in holly springs gary you're on the air with us so go ahead uh good morning morning and, uh, first off there officers thank you for doing your job out there trying to keep the water safe well you do appreciate it so, thank you sir i know y'all don't get that enough but I'm 65. Uh, told I don't need a fishing license. Does that include all kinds of fishing, jug, yo-yos, trot lines, uh, saltwater, freshwater? Yes, sir. If you're over the age of 65, you will not need a, a uh, fishing license. Yeah, still need to label your uh, your floats and your trot line, though, right? Just name and phone number would be good. Okay, and I got a bird question about hummingbirds. Yeah. What is the correct proportion sugar to water for those i put one cup of sugar and four cups of water okay and gary i noticed you're in holly springs and you're right there close to where they have the hummingbird festival uh about four miles no about six miles as a crow flies. yeah so you've got some real hummingbird experts right in your area that you could get more advice from and um i believe september the 7th is the date for the holly springs festival there at strawberry plains um audubon nature center yeah and then they're gonna have one last year Oh, great. Well, I was up there last year, too, and I hope to go back this year. Uh, We'll talk about it more on the show in the next few weeks. And they're even going to have a hummingbird festival and nature festival down in uh, the Pascagoula River Nature Center as well, September the 14th. Yeah, I I have seven or eight regulars at my house right now, and in September... There'll be a hundred or more at my house. Mm-hmm. Well, I just got a, a big influx the last three days that I've noticed at my house. I've, I've had two pair, and uh, you know they've had babies, so I've been seeing more hummingbirds on and off. And then 
in my yard yesterday, I bet I had 20. So I don't yeah, know if they're just moving around locally or if migration has started in my area. The cool, I've got to get the cool on the weather. Yeah, I've got to start calling some friends and seeing <laughs> if they're getting migration through here as well. Yeah, we had more with the cool weather snap there, and especially when it's raining. They love the rain. All right, well, they're, uh, they're fun to all right, watch. Thank y'all. Uh-huh. Thanks. God bless. Y'all have a good day. All right. Thank you, Gary. Thanks for your phone call. We've got some open phone lines. We're visiting today with Mark McCleskey from the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks about boating safety. If you have a question for Mark or if you have a pet question for Dr. Major or if you have a brush with nature that you'd like to share with us. Lots of things to talk about when you give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464, send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. <clears throat> so, Mark, you touched on a little bit, but <clears throat> if you would, again, remind us of some of the things that your your boat itself has to have on it when it's on the water. I would think, I'm thinking of things like lights, you mentioned a fire extinguisher. What are some of the requirements for boats to be uh, legal on the water? Like I said, um, make sure the boat is uh, registered. Uh, Make sure you have a life jacket for everybody on the boat. Uh, if your boat is 16 foot or longer than 16 foot, you're going to have to have a throwable device. Uh, all of these have to be uh, Coast Guard approved. Um, throwable device is a seat cushion or a, a flotation ring you can throw to somebody uh, in case you had somebody that was in the water and didn't have a life jacket on. Like I said, you have to have a fire extinguisher. Uh, that's if you have a built-in gas tank. What I try to tell people, if you can't reach and grab the gas tank and throw it out of the boat, you got to have a fire extinguisher. Uh, your lights, your uh, red and green light on the front, and your all-around white light on the back. Okay. Um, and so what's the red and green? I guess, does that help people, other boats at night to, because to, it's always on, the red is always on the same side? Yeah, red's so on, on the left, green's on the right. Well, okay. they kind of know which direction, you, what they're coming up on your right side or your port side or your, your left side. Okay. And you did mention that rules vary depending on the size of the boat. Yes, they, our boats are um, they're um, sixteen foot. They, when you register your boat, there's three different classes of boats. You got less than sixteen, you got sixteen to twenty six, uh, twenty six to forty, and then over forty. But um, the the big classification we're talking about here is the over sixteen. You have to have the throwable, and a lot of people don't realize that they want to, you know if they have a boat over sixteen, they have to have that throwable device. Mm-hmm. Um, do you need to have proof of insurance when you're out on a boat? No, no, we don't. We don't check for that, and the boat doesn't have to be titled. Uh, we but your registration has to be on you, and that's one thing. The first thing we're going to want to see is your boat registration. Okay. Um. So, what about uh, we talked about a throwable for the larger boats, and you said uh, life jackets for everyone on board, and children have to be wearing them. Mm-hmm. Uh, are there some other safety things that uh, boaters need to think about in terms of having on their boat or making sure they're they're legal? Um, if you're skiing, of course, you need an observer. You need somebody on the boat to over the age of ten that can observe. Um, just somebody to look out. Like I was telling. Uh, Miss Libby, before you're on the water, uh, you have more stressors on the water than you do in a in a car. Uh, I, I say that you, you got the wind, the, the the waves maybe beating against the boat, the sun, the, the glare in your face, and all that kind of stuff. So you just need to be aware. Boating is is uh, is a lot of fun, but uh, it's, it can be dangerous too, especially if it's a lot of people on the water. You know. I guess the obvious thing that Mark and I talked about also off air is alcohol on the boat. Mm-hmm. There's just almost always alcohol involved when there's a boating accident. And 
you really need to be sensible what you're doing in that boat. We're all Correct. pretty much used to, I hope, not drinking while we drive, and you really need to think about making that the rule on your boat, too. If you're driving your boat, you don't need to be drinking, yes. in my opinion. That's correct. Same yeah. thing on the, you know, yeah. it's the uh, same alcohol level, 0 0.08. You know, you you know, you can, of course, in certain places have uh, be people on your boat drinking, but the operator for sure does not need to be partaking. Well, and I think it's important to reinforce what you had had just said earlier: the fact that there are so much more stressors on the water uh, than there are driving. As you said, the, you know, the water, the spray, the sun, that sort of thing, that it's even more important uh, for the operator of the boat. That, so it would be a designated boater, a DB, I guess, in this case. Uh, but make sure that someone who's responsible for driving the boat is, is not uh, one of the ones drinking. Uh, what are, are some of the more common things, uh, Mark, that you would encounter that maybe people don't know that they're doing incorrectly? Um, I guess maybe the... Um uh, jet skis and other boats. If there's a lot of a lot of boats out there, you know, can't get too close to other boats or jumping other wakes. Uh, no wake zones. You know, stuff. You know, people need to look for if they're getting close to houses. There's a no wake zone. Slow the boat down. Getting close to boat landings. Uh, a lot of people don't know about the uh, boating safety requirements. Uh, if you're born after uh, June 30th, 1980, you have have to have passed one of our boating safety classes whether that be in one of our classrooms or online uh those are some things um that people don't think about okay and that's uh, to operate the boat you need the boating safety to operate the boat yeah. okay um <clears throat> and i i'm not i'm not a boater i enjoy going out there but i'm never behind the wheel are there quote-unquote rules of the road i mean things that are sort of common practices so that you don't get too close to other boaters and that sort of thing it is i mean it's not a you know a certain distance but we try to tell people it's kind of like the rules of the road you got to stand on boat and the giveaway boat if you're passing the boat of course you're going to be the uh the other one's going to give away while you pass so there's you know and uh, if you're going up and down a channel you want to stay on on one on the right side of the channel and so anyway it's kind of like the rules of the road just pretty much the same thing and being courteous. Um, <clears throat> when we talk about boating at night, we talked about needing the, the lights. What are some other safety things that maybe people should keep in mind if, if they're boating at night? Well, at night, of course, every, it, it kind of makes everything a little more difficult because, you know, some people, uh, of course, the most important thing is to have your lights. Uh, um, but a sound amplifying device in case your lights were, were to go out while you're in the middle of the channel, let somebody know where you are. Um, um, I would take a flashlight or a uh, spotlight or anything I could, and just in case my lights were to go out, something to have, you know, something else to have on the boat. You know, circumstances change so easy on the water. You can be, I know, and I have done this in our boating experiences where you're on the water after dark when you didn't plan to be. So right. mm -hmm. have those lights working even if you don't think you're going to be out and there. I tell after people dark. to take extra fuses, extra bulbs, whatever. You know, you want to make sure you're seen on the water at night. All right. Uh, we're talking today with Mark McCluskey from the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. We're talking about boating safety. If you have a question for Mark, you can give us a call. Dr. Major's here ready for some pet questions as well. It's time for another break, but remember to make a phone call. Just dial one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 You can always email the show. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. We'll be back with more after this. 
no matter if you use an app to start your car or still have a flip phone. Everyday Tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major and Libby Hartfield. And our guest today who's telling us about boating safety, it's Mark McCluskey from the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. You can join the conversation with a phone call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 Email the show. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. Got a phone call to get to, but first, Mark, I wanted to follow up. You talked about the need for boating safety classes, I think, for anyone who wants to operate a boat that was born after 1980. Is that correct? June 30th, 1980, yes, sir. Okay. Um, and again, if you would give us a, a little bit more information about you know what's sort of in the safety class and, and how people can access it. You can access our... Uh, you can access our class as far as per county or by county on uh, www.mdwfp.com. You can request what county you'd like to take it in, um, or you can take our uh, online course. We have an online course also on the same website. And it goes through some of of the same things we've been talking about, about uh, you know, uh, lights in the night, uh, things that you need to have on your boat, boat, boating safety when you're on the water, that kind of thing. Uh, is it a one-time deal, and once you get it, do you get like a little certificate or a card or something? You, do. you get a certificate um, once you take it online, or uh, if you take it through us, it actually goes in our uh, database, and if you lose your car down the road, you can, of course, get a new one. If you take it from one of the uh, other agencies online, then we don't keep record of that, so just be mindful of that. Okay. might be more convenient if you can to, to do it the, that first way to have that record uh, with your department. We've got a caller on the line, <clears throat> so let's say good morning. To Paul, who's called in from Gulfport. You're on the air with us, Paul. Go ahead. Hi. I just have a quick question about uh, Mississippi registration requirements uh, concerning or differentiating between a uh, standard boat and a federally documented boat. I will try my best. We do the, as far as the documented boats, they go through the uh, U.S. Coast Guard. We don't do the actual documentation. We just do the boat registration as far as at the state level. So we don't need to uh, also have a registration with Mississippi, is that right? Not if it's a documented vessel. Okay, and also uh, I recently purchased this boat, and, of course, that federal documentation takes forever to get back, uh, so I did a transfer. Is the, the copy of the, uh, of the federal uh, certificate with showing the transfer on the back uh, good enough for you guys? You talking about like as far as a bill of sale? Yeah. Yes, that'll be fine. We just need a copy of that. When you, are you going to register it as far as the state level? No, I'm not registered okay. at the state at all. Okay. That's what I'm saying. I was told that you're not supposed to register the state if no. you're totally documented. No, you'll be good with that. Just make sure you keep a copy of that with you. All right. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Paul, for your call. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We're talking boating safety today with Mark McCleskey from the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. <clears throat> I've got some open phone lines. If you have a question for Mark or a food, uh, f- uh, pet question or a brush with nature you'd like to share with us, give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 A couple of emails here. This first one says, I live near... Graveline Bay in Jackson County, and when they recently upgraded our boat ramp, they added a fish cleaning station. 
We always see alligators near the boat docks, and I would think cleaning your catch and throwing the remains into the water would be feeding the gators. Uh, is there a difference? Mark, any thoughts on that? Um, is there a difference of actually throwing the throwing the fish in the water? Uh, I would think that would definitely attract uh, alligators. Uh, I didn't, where did you say this was? I'm sorry. Uh Graveline Bay in Jackson County. Okay. I don't I don't really know a whole lot about that county, but if it's anything like here, there's lots of alligators and anything anything you're putting in the water for them to eat is going to attract them. So if you don't want them there, then I definitely wouldn't throw that in the water. Uh is it illegal to to uh, feed alligators? Absolutely. Okay. So um <clears throat> and a fish cleaning, I mean that's just something where you can clean up your boat before you take it back with you, I would guess. Um, okay, uh, let's see. Where are we going next? We're going to go to the phones again. Uh, Francis is on the line from Natchez. Good morning. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. Good morning. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, my question is this. I'm an avid fisherman, and i like to know why smallmouth bass aren't down for the south in this country, really. Um, I can tell you from what I know about that. I'm not a, a, a fisheries biologist by any means, but the first, the small the smallmouth bass uh, they have to have colder water uh i know uh small the largemouth will as warmer water but the, the the smallmouth bass will not live in the warmer waters we have down south hey, that uh, that's that's what that's about is the extent i know too mark yeah all right uh, francis <clears throat> thanks for your call <clears throat> let's go on next we've got uh, jerry who's called in from Meridian today. Good morning, Jerry. You're on the air with us. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Uh, with apologies to the guests, the question about birds, maybe for Libby. Um, I have an external uh, chimney on my back porch. and It does not open into the house, but there's a family of swifts living inside. Uh-huh. And I'm wondering what the most humane way to remove them is. Okay. It's best if you can wait a few more weeks and um, be sure there aren't any babies in there. Okay. Because they, they won't really need to use your chimney after, you know, once the babies have, have fledged and gotten out of there. So I'd, I'd give it another six weeks if you can. And they'll leave on their own? Yes, they should. And if they don't, it would be okay then for you to... to um, uh, you know, go through one of that cleaning process. I don't know if you've got the big brushes like we've got for our okay. chimney. If you do something like that and, and clean out um, whatever they've built inside. Um, it's getting rather messy with their droppings, and my wife is uh, kind of ready for them to to leave. Do you have, are there any other suggestions? Can you hear, are there babies in there now? Do you, can you listen and I, tell? I hear birds, possibly, possibly babies, but hard to tell. Yeah, it's if if you can put up with it a little bit longer and let those babies move on, that's the definitely the best thing to do. Okay. Okay. We'll do. Yeah. Thank good you very luck. Much. Yeah. All righty. Thanks, Jerry, for your call. Uh, we've got an email here that has a number of raccoon-related questions. Uh, it comes from Clark in Ridgeland, who in parentheses he says, "Wilder than you think," mm-hmm. uh, because raccoons come onto our porch to drink from our cat's water bowl. Can they transmit any disease to our cats this way? Let's just take these one at a time. Dr. Major? Well, yeah. I, I hope you're not feeding the raccoons That's, or putting cat food out. That's what they're coming for, probably more than the water. If it's cat food, I don't know if the situation there. But, yes, they can transmit diseases to 
people and the cats, one of the more serious ones uh, would be leptospirosis, uh, which is a kidney disease which can uh, destroy kidneys. It can cause death in dogs, uh, particularly, and in cats. Uh, and, of course, rabies, if we had rabies uh, endemic in this area, which we don't right now, but it's still something to be aware of. All right. Uh, one raccoon fought with one of our cats. Can our cat get any dangerous infections or diseases from a raccoon bite? Absolutely. It can be killed by the raccoon. Some of these raccoons are, uh, what, 20, 20 pounds plus, and uh, they can deliver a fatal bite. They can stand up against dogs in a lot of cases, uh, especially if they're in the water. But uh, the, uh, the cats can be a danger. If there's food out there, they really need to figure out a way to put it where the raccoons cannot get it. Unfortunately, I have bird feeders and raccoons will clean that out overnight. Uh, uh, they don't, and without now, without tearing up the bird feeder, they reach their hand in and get it out, and it's gone the next morning. All right, and then finally, <clears throat> two raccoons have come into our house to eat the cat's food. One walked right <laughs> by me and touched my clothes. Can people get diseases from raccoons? Absolutely, and they can deliver a good bite. I, that was kind of a cute ad uh, with a lady that couldn't see or whatever uh, and was calling the cat to come in the house. And really, raccoon came in the house. I can't remember what they were advertising. But <laughs> regardless, yes, you don't, want, you don't want a wild animal in your house. Uh, and I, I would say if they've got a doggy or a cat door, and they need to be aware that the raccoon can come in that just as easily as the dog or cat for food. And that's what they're coming for is for food. Uh, so it says in conclusion, they want to live in peace with them, enjoy them without our pets getting sick. Uh, so the idea would be to respect them as a wild animal. And as you're saying, uh, prevent them from getting access to food because that's their, their main thing that they're interacting with humans for. Right. And they don't need to come in contact with the pets. The pets do need to be vaccinated. Uh, for rabies, they need to be vaccinated in this case where you've got uh, the number of raccoons that you probably have there for uh, uh, the leptospirosis. But also, uh, I would be concerned about uh, raccoons can have canine distemper uh, and hepatitis, this sort of thing. So they can have much the same diseases that our dogs have. All right. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We're looking for your questions and comments this morning for our guest about boating safety, Mark McCleskey. Dr. Major here, ready to take some pet questions. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven. 672-7464. Before we go our next break, we'll invite Sue on the air, calling in from Beaumont. Good morning, Sue. Go ahead. Hi, I'd like to make a comment and then ask a question. First, anytime you go out in a boat, you better be prepared, over-prepared. You have to have better take a water cooler with some bottles of water in it, a little first aid kit. Your, uh, uh, take your sunglasses and your uh, sunscreen and I mean, be prepared. You know, anything you can think, take your phone, anything you think can happen, you better be ready for it. And also, I want to ask you, the salinity in the Gulf affecting the fishing, the population and the fish, how are they doing the salinity problem in the Gulf? Uh, right now, any, well, of course, um, any of the waters that are um, getting, particularly where the Mississippi River is coming down, uh, there is... Uh, the salinity is lower because we're getting so much more fresh water right now, and it is causing problems for a lot of things. Uh, there, um, 
bacteria is much more prevalent in the water when you've when you've got all that fresh water mixed in and uh you, you're not supposed to eat oysters in the summer anyway, but there, there's problems with oysters right now, so really don't eat them right now. Yeah. And that breaks my heart because I hope I hope they'll be all right by the time we get those R's in our months. The uh, shrimp industry's been hit pretty hard yeah. because of the change in salinity, and I understand that there are some there is some fishing going on, uh, which is okay, but still, uh, yeah, it was a really it, bad shrimp changes, season. Yes. Yeah. All right, Tessu, always good to hear from you. Uh, thanks for the call. And, Mark, it, uh, you know, we think about going to the beach, we get all that, our sunglasses, our sun's green water, that kind of thing. But in a boat, I guess you're even more exposed than you might normally be maybe at the pool or on the beach. So important to keep those things in mind as well. Absolutely. All right, uh, let's get one more call in before our next break, and it is uh, Beverly who's called in from Macomb. You're on the air with us, Beverly. Go ahead, please. Hi. I have, uh, we have raccoons, we have muscadines. Uh, on a fence, and last year we got none because the the uh, raccoons ate all of them. I wonder if there's anything we can do to deter them from doing that this year. Uh, again, it's a food source, and they they love muscadines. They love persimmons. I'll I'll have big persimmon tree in my backyard, and I guarantee you they'll be gone just as soon as they start getting a little bit riper. Uh, they they're opportunists. They love corn, sweet corn especially. Uh, they can decimate a cornfield uh, pretty quickly. So I know of no way other than depopulation uh, to take care of that problem. Okay. All right. We'll set some more traps. All right. Sorry, Beverly, we couldn't give you more, but they are very clever animals, that's for sure. Time for a last break. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We've been visiting this hour talking about boating safety with Mark McCleskey from the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. We'll be back to wrap up the show with more from Mark, and if you have a pet question, still time to work one in before the hour ends. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. An evening of jazz can be just what the doctor ordered. Join me, Meredith Michelle, with WJSU's Evening Jazz, 7 to 10 weeknights on MPB Music Radio. Welcome back. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major and Libby Hartfield. Today we're talking boating safety with Mark McCluskey from the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. Still time to work in a phone call in the last 10 minutes or so of the program. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. Send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. So maybe we get some input uh, from both of you guys on this one, but what about having your pets on the water with you in a boat? Mark, uh, from a legal and safety point, what, what would be maybe your concern or if, if pets were on board? I see that all the time, people bringing their pets on board. I see nothing wrong with that whatsoever. I even see people with having life jackets on their pets. <laughs> so uh, I, I don't see a problem with that. Do you? I don't. They make some pretty neat life jackets, actually. Uh, a lot of them would have a handle on top where if the pet got in the water, you could reach over and pick it up fairly easily. Uh, but, yes, I, I, I do know of a lot of people that take their dogs, even large dogs, out on out on the boat. So that's that's okay in my opinion. Absolutely. 
Uh, but again, think about uh, being out there in the heat. And so in, in addition to having you prepared and hydrated, make sure that you have the proper stuff for your dog uh, as well. I would imagine a cat would not uh, particularly like to be out on a boat. I although, wouldn't think so. Uh, if they smelled the fish, maybe they would try to jump in. Who knows? <laughs> but I don't think my cat uh, would enjoy that at all. Uh, we've got another caller on the line. See, we say good morning to Edward uh, calling in from Jackson. Good morning, Edward. Go ahead, please. How you guys doing? Doing good. What do you have for us today? Uh, you're, you're all going to think I'm crazy. But I've had dogs for 60 years or more. And the first thing, you know, uh, you got to be a pack leader with the dog. Like the mama is the pack leader the puppies and the first thing i do after i get the dog and get acclimated with petting them is i'll bite them on the back of the neck with a mom would pick them up and when i'm petting them sometimes i'll give them a little nip here and a little nip there they don't mind it's sort of more uh, intimate communication and let them know who the boss is as well as uh communicate with them on a, on a basic dog animal level so uh i've been doing that and i had any problem with the dogs and they don't seem to adjust and it's more of a uh being an intimate with the dog than anything else. All right, Edward. Uh, thanks, uh, Doctor Major. Any any comments? Actually, there there's some truth to what he's saying, and uh, there's some people that take this to extremes, and we won't go into all those details. But yes, uh, I would say that that asserts his uh, leader of the pack status, and I'd say that yeah, uh, he knows what he's doing. All right. Uh, Mark, here's an email from a Gulfport listener that says, what about the common sense of having a paddle or other alternative power source in case of engine failure? Is that not a, re- a safety requirement? And having a loud hailing device, such as a horn or whistle, which I think you, that you did mention. Yeah, we mentioned the sound amplifying device. It's not a, uh, we don't require a paddle, but uh, if you, it would not be a bad idea, especially if the boat's not very big and you're able to paddle it, that would be smart or even a trolling motor. Okay. And are there differences between fresh and saltwater boating safety requirements? Um, we don't handle uh, uh, saltwater out past uh, that's uh, Department of Marine Resources. They okay. do all the saltwater stuff. But mm-hmm. as far as boating requirements on what we talked about, no. All right. Uh, we've got another call to get to. Kay's called in from Long Beach. Good morning, Kay. You're on the air with us. Hi, Kay. You're on the air. Go ahead. All right, let's uh, put that back on hold and see if we can't get that. We'll get to that in a minute if we can before the end of the hour. Um, so, Mark, you mentioned that uh, you've uh, grown up on the water, enjoy getting out there. What are some of your favorite uh, waterways or bodies of water around Mississippi to enjoy? Uh, the ones I'm on mostly is the 10-time waterway, which is close to me. I've uh, uh, been on the uh, Ross Barnett a few times, and uh, I really enjoy that. Uh, Lot to see on the Ross Barnett, lots of alligators, um, uh, especially up and down the Pearl River. Just a, a good scenic place to get out and enjoy the waterway. All right. Um, again, we also we had talked about uh, children and the fact that uh, under 12, you need to have them not just have a life preserver for them, but have them wear that. What are some other things that you might think about when preparing young children for, for boating experiences? I think just experience getting them on the water, uh, but there again, if you have one that you've never been, you never had on the water before, and you're taking for the first time, just before you get underway, before you leave the boat land, and just you know, kind of explain to them where you want them to sit, and if they can't be up running around while the boat's moving, and um, where the uh, dangerous parts of the boats are, and that kind of stuff, just uh, uh, show them those things where they'll know they're they're not going to know unless you tell them. 
Okay. Looks like we've got Kay back, so we'll say good morning again to Kay from Long Beach. Kay, you're on the air with us. Go ahead. Okay, thank you. Um, in May, this is for Libby. In May, I sent a, an email with pictures of a tiny little critter that I found in my garden uh, tote. And it looked like, a, I, with a magnifying glass, I just noticed that it moved. It's less than an inch. It's brown. <laughs> and I, I, with a magnifying glass, it looks like a monster. It's roughly like a elongated diamond shape, and the front of it is the mouth, and, and where it is is a little round circle, and something comes out of it like a tongue, and that's the way it moves. So I don't know. I, I looked in my trusty reference guide of natural history, and there's nothing like it in there. And then I sent the email, and I haven't heard anything from you know animals at MTP online. All right, uh, Kay, unfortunately, Libby had to leave uh, a little early this week. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, oh. could you resend that? We're, we're doing a little bit better job of trying to respond to those. If you could maybe re-email re that uh, question and any pictures you have uh, to it, Libby uh, will be able to get back to you. And we po apologize for the delay and also apologize that oh. Libby had to step out a little early this, you, this week. Oh, did you, okay. Did well, you have a picture? Well, yes, I sent pictures. Okay. And, and Is it animals at mpbonline.org? That's correct. It sounds okay. like it might have been. Again, then. Might have been either a an egg type thing, or a uh, pupa type situation. I don't know. If it wasn't, probably was an alien. <laughs> I'm joking. All right. Okay. Kay, thanks for your call. Yeah, I apologize for that. But if you would send us back, and we'll see if we can't get you some information on on what you were seeing there. So. Um, Mark, just a couple of minutes left, and we talked about a lot of things, and if this might be repeating something, but what would you say uh, the number one safety tip that you could give to people who are out there on their boat on Mississippi waterways? Um, I would say the, the life jackets, the PFDs, like I said, um, even the people that are really good swimmers, uh, if you just, we, try to, we just try to urge for people to wear their PFDs. Uh, like I said, you, you don't ever know what might happen if get hit by another boat or you hit a something unforeseen uh an, an object under the water and you were to be thrown from the boat um could hit your head or anything else but i just try to urge for people to, to wear their to wear their life jackets okay and we had mentioned boating registration uh how and where do you register your boat and is there cost involved Yes, there is a cost involved. Like I, I told you earlier, the the boat uh, uh, class, as far as the length, if it's less than sixteen feet, it's ten dollars and twenty cents. If it's sixteen to twenty six, it's twenty five twenty. Uh, twenty six to forty, uh, forty seven, uh, forty seven seventy, and uh, you can do the registration form online. You can get one from our any of our central region, central north, uh, our south region office, Jackson office. You can. Uh, get one anywhere you can uh, buy a license, uh, your registration form. You've got to have a bill of sale from where you bought the boat. Um, make sure you can read the 12-digit hull identification number on the back right-hand corner of the boat and proof of Mississippi sales tax. If you have all that, you will not have any trouble registering your boat with us. All right, and again, that's a one-time deal, and you need to display it on your boat somewhere, a sticker or something? It is. Usually they, the registration lasts for three years, so you'll re-register it every 
uh, three years. All right, great. Mark, thanks for being with us today. That's going to wrap us up. Creature Conference is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, and funding is provided in part by generous listeners like you. Today's show is produced by Java Chapman. Our call screener was Michelle McAdoo. So for Libby Hartfield, Dr. Troy Major, and our guest Mark McCleskey, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to stay tuned. Up next at 10, it's AutoCorrect with the lady auto mechanic, Allison Walker. We'll be back next Thursday at 9 for another Creature Conference, heard only on MPB Think Radio.